Welcome to The Unapologetic Woman. I'm your host, Pyle Berry. With over a decade of a blended experience in clinical psychology and global leadership development, I've dedicated my career and life purpose to empower women to believe I deserve a seat at the table and it's about damn time. But how do you create synergy between who you are and how you lead? On this podcast, we address that inner critic holding you back, release narratives that no longer serve you, and explore how to use your leadership platform to make an impact around diversity, equity, and inclusion. Simply put, I cut out the bullshit. I'm here to share inspiration, practical tips, and have challenging conversations with other badass individuals who are shifting the narrative for all women. So let's stop apologizing for who we are and rise together as the unapologetic woman. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Unapologetic Woman. And today I have an incredible human, an incredible soul, an incredible woman on this podcast. And I'm so excited to share her journey with you and talk about what it's been like for her to evolve and grow. And she is the talk show host and CEO founder of Chronicon, which is a community that supports women and men, everyone essentially who have chronic illnesses to be seen as more than just that and to get supported and feel that it's okay to be them with their chronic illnesses, a safe space to talk about it, but then also know that it's a place to talk about everything else as well. And it's a community that I'm actually a part of, and I could not be more proud to be a part of because as I've talked about a lot, I have my own chronic health issues. And this was the first time ever that I've been able to have a community that I can go into, say what I'm feeling like the day of, and the release has been incredible. So I'm so excited to have the founder here with me, Nithika Chopra. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. I'm so happy to be here with you. Yeah. It's so wonderful to have you. And I would love for you to just start with talking about like, what was part of your journey that made Chronicon such a big part of that? I must have this community for everyone. It really, I feel like took a lifetime to create in a lot of ways. It was born from a place of being someone who had two chronic illnesses of my own for now it's been the past 30 years since I was 10 just always feeling so alone, feeling so much on the outside, you know, and like everybody else like was sort of living this other life that I had never really experienced before. And no one really knew what it was like to live the experience that I was having with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. And my conditions in particular, you know, at first my psoriasis was very, very, very visible. So that brings its own challenges. And then my arthritis was invisible. So that brought its own challenges. And it was just like constantly feeling like I was in this alternate world and universe that no one else knew about. And even though, and I say this number often, as you've probably heard me say before, even though there are over 133 million Americans that have a chronic illness that we know of right now, which is almost half the population of the United States. It's wild. So wild. Every person that I've ever met that has a chronic illness has always told me that they feel alone. Yeah. It, it's not a Nithika thing. It's not a me thing. It's not a you thing. It's like every single person, whether I talk to someone who got diagnosed in their 50s, in their 70s, in their teens, 
it doesn't matter the condition. For me, Chronicon really was a culmination of me having those conversations with different people and also experiencing it myself and realizing this shouldn't be, this shouldn't be that we all feel so alone. There's no reason for us to feel this way, but yet it's real and it's common. And yeah, just wanting to do something about it. Wow. What was it like? You know, you said that you've had it for 30 years now, being 10 years old and having these chronic illnesses and being South Asian. And, you know, that also like has its own level of pressures to say it nicely. You know, what was that like to get that? And how did you even find out or realize that, okay, these are these chronic illnesses that are happening? How did that change your narrative and that time? Yeah. I mean, I found out because my psoriasis, it started with a small, tiny dot on my Mm -hmm. arm and it really wasn't a big deal at first. And my parents had had eczema. So they kind of thought that it would be that, which eczema can be really challenging too. But for my parents specifically, they had had it very mildly and they'd been able to like put a cream on and it would go away and they kind of grew out of it. So we sort of assumed it was going to be the same. And we just got a biopsy from the dermatologist and found out that it was psoriasis. And I remember feeling like something was really wrong when we found out that that's what it was. Like there was a severity to it that was Mm. palpable. Even though I was only 10, I could feel, you know, when you feel adults being intense, nervous, like I could feel it. I still remember that feeling. And, you know, same thing with the psoriatic arthritis, you know, that happened when I was 19. And I actually, I was living in the States by myself at that time because my parents had moved overseas. I just remember being shocked and devastated. And like, I didn't even know that was a thing. Like, I'm only 19 years old. How could I get this? I don't understand. What are you saying to me? And at that point, when I got the diagnosis, my psoriasis had gotten so bad that it was like, you know, when your lips crack and bleed in the my entire body was like that. Oh my gosh. So for about 15 to 16 years of my life, I was covered from head to toe. About 95 to 98% of my body was covered with psoriasis and it was very, very painful. So to add the psoriatic arthritis on top of that was just really challenging and devastating. But yeah, I mean, it was just all of those moments, right? Like when I think I didn't have the words for it then, but now I talk about it so often. I've thought about it so much. I've been to therapy. I've done a lot of work around it. It was just furthering the separation I felt from other people. Mm -hmm. You know, every single diagnosis, every moment that I was uncomfortable or in pain or itching or something, it was like, oh, I'm not like everybody else. I'm different. Oh, you're not the same. You know, both times I got my diagnoses, like I felt that deeply. I felt that like, not only am I brown, not only am I like curvier than everyone else, not only am I like a little bit, you know, louder and more outspoken than some people in my, and then everyone in my family, Um, (laughs) you know, not only am I all these other things, but oh, now I'm also sick and now I'm again. And, you know, it was really just kind of shaping me into feeling really separate from people for a really long time. Did you ever feel, you know, because this happened to me, I got diagnosed with hypothyroid when I was like 17 and uh, I was undiagnosed for a couple of years. And this is like in high school, your most critical time. You know, I was a straight A student up until like never even got an A minus. And all of a sudden my grades started going down to like C's and D's and I was ditching class to go sleep in the car. (laughs) I wasn't even ditching class to do anything special. It was literally just to go sleep in the car, sleeping 15, 16 hours a day. 
I was starting to gain weight. I was a dancer, you know, all of these things were happening. And I'm like, why am I starting to gain a little weight? I'm like, maybe I should let go of the flaming hot Cheetos, but you know, didn't think anything. And I, my dreams from being like, I'm going to go to Harvard and all these other schools kept going down to maybe Berkeley, UCLA, maybe, you know, whatever Cal state, and then ended up going to community college first and owning that because my grade slipped, everything just went downhill. And when I got diagnosed at 17 and found out, oh, okay, I have hypothyroid and autoimmune Hashimoto's, all of that. I was too young still. I was so naive. I didn't understand the gravity of it. I fully didn't comprehend that. And there was so much of the wanting to fit in that I didn't really take care of it until many years later, I would pop, you know, the medicine in the morning and that was it. What was that like for you? You know, I know that for myself, I kind of created a victim mentality of like, this is happening to me. I am this, I am defining myself through this. So I can't do that now. I can't do this now. What was that like for you? Very similar. And I think a lot of what I work on now as an adult is codependency as well. Mm -hmm. I think especially in South Asian families, you know, and especially as women, as girls at that time in South Asian families, there's a comfort level to our parents feeling like we need them. And it's very different than American families, you know, (laughs) night and day, night and day where they're just like, go, go be independent. That's what you're working towards. It really is sort of ingrained in you that like, you need to need me, you know, your mom, your, your parents. So when you get sick, I think that there's like work to be done around this whole area of life. When someone gets sick and the codependency that's created specifically through illness, you know, because I felt so helpless. I mean, sometimes I think about the 20 year old me, I can't even imagine what she would feel if she saw me today. Yeah. Is I never had even had a job really at that time. I felt, I mean, I had a lot of physical pain. I couldn't really stand for long periods of time, you know, so many things. So I felt like I'm never going to amount to anything in school. Oh my goodness. When I was 10 and I got psoriasis, I also hit puberty. So it was a little early and early for some people. And I got super curvy. Like I developed pretty much immediately. And I did not know that I am an experiential learner. I'm somebody who really learns through conversation. I have to like see things, feel them, connect to them in order to be able to learn something. And then I'm like super smart and able to do anything. But that's not how school in the middle of Ohio, which is where I was living at the time, you know, in, I guess it was the eighties, like was taught. It was very one dimensional. And also my brother, who's two years older than me is absolutely not like that. You can give him a book. He will learn it from front to back. He will just know it. Like sounds like my brother. Yeah. Like he's just a very linear learner in a lot of ways. So it was very frustrating because literally like right when I hit 10, I was in fifth grade my grades plummeted. And I think a lot of it had to do with stuff going on at home. I was getting in a lot of trouble because I wasn't doing well in school because my hormones were probably raging and I was emotional, <laughs> you know, my body changed so much. Then I got sick and then I was getting bullied at school. Like a lot. Mm-hmm. I was severely bullied from like 10 
until I graduated high school, you know, so from fifth grade until the end of my senior year, pretty much. So it was really intense. So the idea that I could cultivate brilliance or cultivate charisma or feel like some of those women that I would look at maybe and look up to and be like, oh my God, she's so, you know, together. She's so smart. She knows what she wants. Like all these things, like never even crossed my mind. And I really, really have a lot of compassion for people out there. And sometimes at the work that I'm doing with Chronicon, I really understand that some people aren't always ready for Chronicon and the work that we're doing there, because it really is about celebrating your full life, your entire life, and doing it in a way where you honor that part of your life is sometimes I don't feel good. And sometimes I have to say no. And sometimes I'm really devastated. And I'm also a wizard because I've had to figure out 25,000 things like we talked about when we had our first product meetup recently. I take certain things with such stride and I'm so, so resilient and I'm all these other things. But a lot of times, and I know for me, I would say for the first, I want to say for the first like 20 years, but I'll be generous and say maybe it was like the first 15 or 16 years when I was really, really, really sick that I was a complete victim. Mm -hmm. There was a part of me that wanted to believe in more and wanted to believe that like, that this was happening for a reason, like that was helpful for me. But at the end of the day, when you like spoke to me, it was like, I was really embodying I'm suffering. I used to always say like, even if you didn't see my psoriasis on me, you would feel it. Yeah. In who I was being, you know, it was like, hi, I'm Nithika. I have psoriasis. I have arthritis. I'm really sick. And now, you know, people would never guess it. And it's not because you can't see it as much as before, for sure. But I still have it on my legs. I still have bones that are funny looking from my arthritis and, you know, whatever. But who I'm being is not a sick person. And that's a very big shift. It took me at least a decade to make that shift. Yeah, absolutely. I'm gosh, there's so much of your story in it together I'm hearing also. And it resonates exactly with my experience, you know. And I think that anyone who has experienced, whether it's chronic illness or anything that sets them different as what society has, you know, paved the way as this is the little bucket that you have to be in. And if you're outside of that, then you have to try to fit into this, you know, and I think what you do so well, and obviously you have so much incredible empathy and that's where Conicon exists from, but what you do so incredibly well is helping to celebrate people for who they are, for all these different parts of them, that you can show up as someone who's feeling really, really exhausted and frustrated. And at the same moment, you can celebrate that I just got promoted. I just got, you know, this win in my career or whatever it may be. And you do a really incredible job. Like even, you know, like you said, we had our first in real lifetime, whatever the IRL stands for, cannot. (laughs) I'm so bad with all these like acronyms. Anyways, on the picnic, you know, is just really looking at as one of the other girls said how brilliant everyone is in Chronicon and, 
you know, it's just that level of empathy that happens because of the experiences that you come through, that you're able to have compassion for someone else and see them for, you know, beyond what they are. And I think that we get so crippled by, we have to define ourselves constantly. We have to label ourselves, you know, it's one of our, our minds work, but second, it's just how society's made it is that, hi, I'm pile and I have a hypothyroid or, you know, I have diabetes, but looking beyond that, you know, and helping people see that they can look beyond that. And that is something that, again, you know, when you go into different communities, they will focus on this community is for X. And so we're only going to talk about that, but in Chronicon, that's not the case, you know, in Chronicon it's, Hey, you're here because we have a shared experience, but we are also learning about all these other wonderful things that we can participate in. And that must've been very intentional on your part. Yeah. It's intentional in my life. You know, like I remember when I don't know, it's making me emotional to think about it, but I remember when I first got divorced, I was married at the age of 20 and I got divorced at the age of 24 And it was a really devastating experience as divorces can be. And I remember after that experience, I had gone from, you know, my parents' home, technically, you know, as a good Indian girl to my husband's home. And I didn't really know who I was outside of those homes, but also outside of my health. As I mentioned, I was so sick, I couldn't really stand for a long period of time in the first half of my 20s. So I didn't have a job. I didn't really know how to create, you know, and do all the things that I'm doing now. So I remember distinctly in part of my healing process starting to be like, what is your favorite color? Like, (laughs) what music do you like? Like, it doesn't always have to be these huge, profound things, right? But I started to intentionally be like, which friends make you feel good? Like, what kind of clothing style do you enjoy? Like, just, it's such simple stuff. You're not saving the world or anything, but all of those little, little, little things make up who you are. And I really didn't know who I was at that time, especially outside of being a sick person. So when I do anything for Chronicon, I am looking at, you are a whole person. Like, you know, people who are celebrities also have chronic illnesses. There's many, 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 like Lady Gaga has fibromyalgia. Right. Jonas has diabetes. Like Selena Gomez has lupus. Lupus. Yeah. Jonathan Van Ness has AIDS and also psoriasis. Like even when I was bedridden and I couldn't move for years at a time, I was barely able to move in my early twenties. Even then I was not just a sick person. I was a wife. I was a daughter. I was a New Yorker. I was, you know, a college graduate. I was all of these things. I was so many other things other than my health, but I never focused on that initially. You know, I really just struggled with that completely. And also then what happens is I think for a lot of people, at least this is what happened for me is that everyone in my life then also played into that. Everyone is kind of like, Oh, okay. Like you're like this, or are you okay? Or, you know, they're trained to think of you in that way. Yeah. So everything that we do in Chronicon is intentional to not just mm -hmm. someone as, you know, quote unquote, just a sick person. So how did you go from, you know, seeing yourself only through the lens of being the sick person, 
being married through that and, you know, coming out on the other end where one of the things again, you know, is like you were just mentioning about the people around you, but you know, with hypothyroid, you can't see it, right? Diabetes, you can't see it. And so I will have people saying to me like, really, you have that, but you don't look like you have it. Oh my God. The next person says that to me, I will strangle them. But anyways, um, it's that invisible illness, right? So they equate it to you look like this. So you must not have that. And I've had to train people to really understand that, but sometimes it gets exhausting. It gets exhausting to tell people, stop, you know, with that. But how did you do it with, you know, you've got so much love in you and I see that come through all the time. Like you've got such a warm heart and I'm always like, wow, I need to have a warmer heart. (laughs) (laughs) But how did you come onto the other side and help people see you through a different light? And obviously that starts with you yourself. Help people see me through a different light. Right. Um, I'm a big believer in like a lot of what they teach you in therapy, which is like, you know, as much as you want other people to change, like the change really happens with others when it starts with you. Absolutely. And it's not like I didn't ever struggle with that. There are definitely times where I'm like, can I just tell my mom to do this thing or be this way? You know, for sure. Like that comes up. But I think overall, you know, I just got to work on myself. And I think that has looked like lots of different things. Therapy has been a constant. I started therapy when I was like 28 and I'm, you know, as I mentioned, I'm 40 earlier. And so I've been doing therapy pretty consistently since then. And I think that's been a huge help. I've also done different types of therapy, you know, so I really think it's been a process of me showing up as the woman that I want to embody. And I even noticed this, like, since I turned 40, just a few months ago, there's even been another shift where it's like, you know, I'm embodying a woman that is stronger and has more self-assurance and respect and love than I have ever had for myself. And I've been looking for others, especially like in relationships and romantic relationships, you know, to reflect that back to me or to convince me of that or validate that. And I've reached a place where I don't feel like I need that from another person anymore, which is very new. <laughs> like, you know, so I feel like I did it around health and I did it around career and I, you know, but the relationship thing was like the last frontier of like, okay, right. Now I really feel good about that. But yeah, it's really just been a process of me owning what's real about me, what I want people to see. I really feel that people respond to me the way that they do because I have done so much work on myself to make sure that I am the person inside every cell of my body that I hope people feel that I am, you know, absolutely body that. How was that though, being Indian and going through therapy and owning it, being able to publicly talk about it and, you know, just continuing to share that, you know, doing that deep work with yourself because, you know, with South Asian culture, like mental health and, therapy in general can be so it's a stigma, right? And so how did you, again, build the support that you needed around the community that you have the way that you wanted it to be without them imposing it on you and also being able to talk about those other forms of help that otherwise would be looked down on? It's really hard. I'm going to be totally honest with you. It's really hard and it's still hard. 
you know, there are parts of it that aren't. And I think that's like part of what I've been feeling lately as I'm getting older and, you know, I don't have a life partner right now. So it's like really just owning myself and my truth more and more and more and more. And so, yeah, it's still hard. I do it though. And I think that's the difference I've seen between me and maybe some people that I've met or some people I'm friends with. Some people will say, you know, that they want certain things for themselves, but they won't necessarily fight that fight for it. And my mom has been calling Pataki ever since I was two, <laughs> firecracker in Hindi for all of you listening. And it's true. I have been a firecracker, but you know, my mom told me the story when she was pregnant with me, she used to pray to her womb that she would have a daughter that wasn't afraid to speak her mind. Wow. Because my mom is not the way that I am. She is not at all a confrontational person. She does not want to ruffle any feathers. She does not want to push the status quo. It's a very common Punjabi mother. Yes, exactly. And I have a lot of respect for it, you know, like because she went through the life path she went through, I'm able to do what I'm able to do, right? But it's not my journey to do it the way that she has done it. So it's really hard. I was just talking to a friend about this last night. I feel like I'm not only like creating my own life, but I feel like I'm reshaping my ancestors' lives. Absolutely. Time. Not to like give myself so much credit or anything, but that's the heaviness that I feel a lot of the times. Like, okay, I'm saying yes to this thing. I'm going to pose in my bathing suit on a billboard. When I'm I was like, just going to get to that. Right. When I'm like, literally, barely was allowed to wear bathing suits, like, <laughs> you know, as a kid, you know, and like be around the men in our family just for like, you know, you have no shame if you're like, right. In front of a man or something. When you're right. Like, How you're not wearing shorts and a shirt yeah. and. Yeah. 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 So, oh my goodness. Do you think that was really hard? It was yeah. really, really hard. But I just keep saying I care more about owning my truth than I do about keeping you in a way that you feel safe and like that you are the one who needs to be protected and guarded. I'm not doing anything to hurt you. I'm not doing anything disrespectful. I am owning my truth and it's really hard, but it's worth it. You know, it's worth it. And I will say to give my parents credit, you know, because I have never wavered. I have never wavered in this way that I am in, even with Chronicon, you know, I didn't start Chronicon before a few years ago, but I have had a path and a dream of what I have wanted to do for like 15 years now. It's never wow. changed, right? So the end result has never changed. Maybe the path has you know, shifted and stuff, but the right. end result, the dream has never changed. So even that, right? Like just being really, really, really strong and clear in the face of so much criticism, so much misunderstanding, so much frustration, and really feeling like you're doing a lot of it alone because your family can't understand. And, you know? and I think people don't realize that a lot of times when they see people, you know, doing what they're doing and, and whatever. It's like, well, I am. And it's really hard. It's really hard to do it every day, but I wouldn't have it any other way at the same time. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think what's so powerful about that is also just accepting and understanding that not everyone's going to get it and that's okay. That's their path. That's their journey. They'll get there when they can and if they want to, but that's not going to deter you or me or whoever has taken that path to know that you don't have to fall backwards, that you can keep moving forward. And yes, there's some days where you're just really freaking exhausted. I mean, in fact, for everyone who's listening, right before we got on, both me and I think I were like, we're so tired today. <laughs> we just barely have energy to be ourselves, yep. but we're still showing up and doing this. And, you know, it's just really recognizing, but it's because of that community, like chronic con it's because of that, where I just remember, I really, I can't harp on this enough because I've felt exactly what you're saying. Like so freaking alone in my journey. So alone constantly, you know, especially with New York city being very social and all of that, wanting to go out and drinks being such a big culture. And then of course I'm funny that they call you Pataka because they they called me the same thing actually growing up. And so completely. And it was like, and I'm a foodie. Like I want to eat everything in sight. And then having a chronic illness and you're like, oh, but you can't have this. You can't have this. You can't have this. And this constant feeling of, oh, well, I don't want to be the difficult one at dinner. I don't want to be the challenging one. And having to face that and just say to yourself, like, no, I'm not being the difficult one. I'm honoring my body. I'm honoring myself. And if they have a problem with that, well, I mean, one, what I've done for myself is like, I love food. So I'm like, I'll just get my own stuff and you guys share. (laughs) I'm just going to eat what I love. I do that often. And I feel that too. I don't drink really. So I just kind of, and I don't really care about it. It's never been a part of my life because I kind of was sick so young. It was kind of always really hard for me to drink. I always feel with the food thing, like I don't want to be a buzzkill. Yeah my feeling of like, oh God, like, I don't really mind that I have to eat different things, but I feel like everybody else like wants to eat certain things together or like, oh, we want to go to the special pizza place, but oh, they don't have any gluten-free pizza or right. whatever it is. And I'm like, oh my God. So it's a practice. I'm definitely, I think way better at it than I used to be. And it's not such a big deal anymore because I spend time with people who get it, but it's a thing. I get yeah. it. And that's where, you know, it's starting to say is that I, remember joining and I think I had just gotten diagnosed with diabetes and I was just crying on the plane because I found out on the plane and I was with my girlfriends and they're, you know, girlfriends who don't have any health issues and, you know, and they're the sweetest people in the world, like sister, you know, for life, but trying to console me. And the only thing I could think about because I did not download the app at that moment was that I need to get to a computer so I can tell the Chronicon community. And that's where, as soon as I got those responses, I felt seen and I felt happy again. I was able to actually release hearing that diagnosis and being able to just be on my trip and be in New York and not let that affect me. And that's the power of what you've done. You know, that's the power of your journey. And like you were destined, you know, I believe in fate. I believe in destiny. I believe in that we're all here for a purpose. And Nithika, your purpose was to bring people together to be seen and to be felt. And I see that all the time. And just, you know, just this conversation as well, just you sharing so openly and transparently, which isn't easy to do at all. And obviously you've been doing it for a while now, but you being able to do that and not only talk about it, but like you just said, you were on the cover of Somersault 
in a bathing suit. You were on billboards everywhere. And I will be honest, when I first saw that, I had a reaction because body dysmorphia, all of that comes out, right? When you have chronic illness. And I felt it. And I remember, and I promise not in a creepy way, but I was like staring at that for like a good 20 minutes and honoring you and your body because it was a way for me to reflect and look at myself and be like, I need to stop being so hard on myself. You know, the image of a body, even depending on the culture, depending on the generation and time, the decade, what defines beauty continuously changes. So who are we to say that our bodies aren't beautiful for what they are just because in this moment in time, it's not what is expected of the culture and the community that we live in. And, you know, even honoring that piece of being South Asian, being black, being Latina, being white, our bodies are made differently. So we can't compare it to what the ideal body is in America, because as an Indian woman, my body is just shaped differently and it's not going to be that. And for you to be on that cover, I mean, oh my goodness, that was just incredible. How did that feel for you? Oh, well, thank you for that. I'm really going to take that in. It was really beautiful. It was a lot for me too. You know, I did the somersault campaign two years ago, 2019. And that was the first time. And I was 38. I was on my 38th birthday that we shot it. And I was 20 pounds lighter pre-pandemic. And it was a really big deal for me to be like, I was 20 pounds lighter because I fluctuated in weight a lot because of my health. Mm -hmm. And I think I've finally gotten to a place where I'm like, this is my weight. This is what I look like. Like, this is not, I'm not like overeating and like emotionally eating. I'm not starving myself to try to like fit some doctor's rules about what I'm supposed to eat. I am eating healthy and I'm taking care of myself. And this is what I look like, you know? And that's been such a huge journey for me. It's been one of the biggest journeys, even like alongside my actual health is like my weight has been such a big thing. I'm the biggest person in my family, which... I'm not even like a big person, (laughs) but I'm the biggest person in my family. You know, I'm the curviest and I have been curvy. I actually had to say this to my mom recently who, you know, Indian parents, they can just pick at it and say, (laughs) okay, what about this? And what about that? And the only time I have ever been a skinny person is when I have been really sick. Mm. Since I was 10 years old, I got curvy. As soon as I hit puberty, I got curves. I was softer. My cheeks were rounder, all of it. And I didn't do anything to make that happen. That was my body's natural response. And so I have been fighting that since I turned 10 years old. Wow. And I feel like this year when I turned 40, something really profoundly shifted for me where I was like realizing Since I was 25, when I was like really, really skinny at 25, I have been wanting to be that size for the last 15 years. And when I turned 40, I woke up that morning and I was like, woman, you are 40. (laughs) There's a reason you don't look the way you did when you were 25. Right, truth. It's because you're not 25. 
that's it's just math. It's not right. <laughs> like it's not even personal, you know? And that was so liberating for me. And I feel like since that day, everything has shifted in terms of how I feel about my body. And the campaign came out a little bit after that. But I mean, I got into it with my family about the campaign. They were so uncomfortable. I was like, okay, are you really doing this? Are you really going to own that this is what you really look like? Okay, I guess we're going to own this now. Yeah, You know, it was all of those things. I feel like I give such long answers, but that's... No, <laughs> I think you have such for me. powerful answers. You know, I... As you're talking, all I could think about is like, you know, there's listeners out here that are going to say like, I relate to this. I relate to every minute of this. Like you're talking as Nithika, but they're hearing it as themselves. And I mean, I know I am right now hearing it as, oh, wow, is she just narrating my story? Because that's what it sounds like, you know? And I thank you so much for sharing all of this. And I want to leave it with two questions for you. The first question is, what does the unapologetic woman mean to you? I think it's the woman that is more committed to her own truth than like making everybody else comfortable, which is something that I heard Glennon Doyle talk about recently on her podcast, We Can Do Hard Things. I've been listening to that a lot lately. And it really is that like when you think about Simone Biles and Naomi Osaka and like all of those women who've been just really like, nope, not doing that you just so you can be comfortable, like not doing that. I think it's really that. So whether it's for the Olympics or it's, you know, for your work or with your doctor or whatever it might be, it's just like not compromising your truth just to make other people comfortable. That's amazing. I could not agree more. And who has that been for you? You know, it's so crazy because you mentioned this question before we started talking. And I was like, honestly, I want to say myself. Yes. Like I wouldn't normally say that, but when I think about role models of unapologetic women, I have role models for strong women in my life. Like my nanny mom, my mom's Mm -hmm. mom is a very strong woman who's been through some really intense stuff with her health that has been really profound in shaping how I am with my health. Mm -hmm. So she's probably the closest thing, but that unapologetic, like I'm not bending for anyone because just to make you comfortable, which isn't the same thing as having kindness and compassion and, you know, all of that, which is very much a part of it. I feel like I've had to build that myself. And I don't feel like I've had like a shining star or like a North star rather of like, Oh, okay. Doing it. I have lots of them now. You know, I have lots of people now that I'm like, oh, my good friend is this way. Like so many of my girlfriends are that way and all of that. But I can't say they've been around long enough to like shape me. I love that because I always talk about how women need to brag more. And I use the word brag instead of celebrate because there's already so much about having humility and being down to earth and all that, which is great and have that. But The problem is that when women do celebrate themselves as like, no, I'm pretty freaking awesome. It's looked on as arrogant. And there's a huge difference between arrogant confidence and humility. So you saying that and honoring that, I think that's freaking badass and that's awesome, you know, and I love that. So I want to say a big thank you to you for coming on, for being so honest, vulnerable, and just sharing, you know, one of the biggest, biggest purposes of this podcast and for people to come on here is to show that as a successful woman, as someone who is 
really making her dreams come true, make it a reality for a community of people. You know, you are someone who still goes through these challenges and they're not something where you have these like shifts and you're like, okay, done checklist. I'm great now. It's like, no, this is ever evolving. And as we go through our different ages and life stages and all of that, you know, these things come up, but we just learn to heal and deal with it better. So I want everyone to know where can they find you? Where can they find chronic on? I mean, I can go on about it, but I'd love for you to share it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for for having me on the show. This was so fun. And you can find Chronicon at thechroniconcommunity.com. And you can also find us on Instagram. You can check me out at Nitika Chopra and Chronicon is at Chronicon official. Awesome. Thank you so much. And everyone who's listening, I'm telling you right now, you need to join Chronicon. It is one of the best decisions of my life as an entrepreneur. You're already feel like you're on your own, but even, you know, when you have a community that sees you for all the different parts of you, it's one of the most magical experiences. So make sure you join. Thanks for listening to The Unapologetic Woman. If you like what you heard today, then please subscribe so you'll get real-time updates when I post a new episode. And if you really believe that others should be hearing this, then leave a rating or review this episode so others can find it too. And if there's something you'd really love for me to cover or highlight, then head over to my Instagram account at Pileberry. DM me to let me know. I'm all ears. If you want free resources, practical tips, and inspirational stories that I share with my clients, visit pileberry.com and subscribe to my newsletter. You'll get them all. Until then, take a moment to celebrate your journey, reflect, and be ready to embrace your next epiphany.